Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, Down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. What Cody and I have been doing today is researching sheds. I'm actually entertaining building a a studio in a shed and putting it on my twin brother's fucking back patio because my internet sucks. You know, it's so funny because, yeah, well, I drive in and out to Vegas all the time, as you know. As soon as I'm done, regardless of the time, I jump in the car and I drive home. And the other day I was driving home or a few weeks ago and it was still daylight. And there's a huge uh, store, if you will, that this, the, the shed center or the sheds or us or something yeah. like that. And I was like, I was stuck in traffic and I was looking and some of those sheds are amazing. They're like mini houses. Right. I was even saying to Rebecca, to my wife, I'm like, I might get one of those. I want <laughs> one of those sheds. They look cool as hell. Go for it, John. I might buy a golf cart, but I think I might buy a shed instead. So where are you right now? You are in your house, maybe on some lower level. Where are you right now? I am at home. This is what used to be the kids' games rooms, but now the kids only want to be in their rooms. Well, what am I saying, kids? Two of, uh, Callum's in, lives in San Francisco at college. Ellie's never here. She's always out and about. She's very busy. And Lucas is in his bedroom. So this is my, you know, would-be studio slash Rebecca's office. Uh, I'm at home. I'm, I've got a sweaty T-shirt on. I just did my chest, my triceps, my four-mile run, sat in the sauna. And now I'm speaking to the best goddamn play-by-play guy in the business. I appreciate you. The UFC Hall of Famer, former UFC champion, Michael Bisping, of course, with a special edition of the Anakin Florian podcast. You got the Hall of Fame trophy behind you. Why does that thing have to be so heavy? It's a beautiful trophy, but it is the single heaviest trophy that I have ever picked up and probably by 25 or 30 pounds. That's like a 40 pound trophy. Oh yeah, no, for sure. If someone comes through that front door, <laughs> you know, and I'm here. And I haven't got my gun. I don't have a gun, but I don't want the world to know that. That Hall of Fame thing is going to come right through your skull. Do you know what I mean? You heard Um, it here first. Normally, the heavier the object, the better quality it is, right? You 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 know, like my wife and I were going antiquing shortly. You know what I mean? You pick something, oh, it's heavy. You know, so the Hall of Fame, you pick it up, you're like, oh, that's quality for sure. There's definitely something to that. When I was picking out a wedding ring, I got a platinum ring because it was heavier than white gold. Right. So there you have it. There you go. All right. So exactly. I have a few things that I would like to get into with you. And we very much appreciate your time, because if there's one man in the world who can lay claim to having a busier schedule than me, it's you. And candidly, even when you're not calling fights, I'll see you on the road for BT Sport. You're filming movies in Bulgaria that take you away from your family at months on end. 
you know, I commend you for more reasons than one, your legendary status in mixed martial arts, of course, your bodily sacrifice. But this second career, bro, has been probably as time intensive as the first one. Probably more time <laughs> intensive, if I'm honest. You know, w- when I was training, obviously, you know, a fight camp's very intense. Time, energy, physical, mental, all the rest of it. But when the fight's done, you have a lot of downtime, you know. And, you know, I, I would often get a lot of time with my wife and my children in between. These days, not so much, you know. And I think we were talking recently. I remember after I did that film in Bulgaria last year, my youngest, Lucas, said to me, oh, Dad, promise me you'll never go away for that amount of time again. And that broke my heart. You know, and I've been on the road almost every week this year since Australia. So the last couple of months, almost every week, I've got two weeks off now. My wife, because I said oh, I'm home for a month, and she said, "Oh, great," but I'm not. I've got to be in Kansas City on the fifteenth. These are good problems to have, by the way. Yeah, very, very good problems. It's first world problems. I'm not complaining. It's great. I'm earning money. I'm involved with the sport that I still love, and it. You know, it does create and help me with other opportunities. Like after Kansas City, I fly out to Europe to film Dead of Thieves 2. So, you know, I'm, I'm busy, but I love to be busy. You know, anytime I'm not, if I've got two or three days, like, like I complain when I'm super busy. Yeah. Of course yeah. I do, because that's just what men do. You know what I mean? Oh, God, I'm <laughs> so busy. But if I've got two or three days where I'm not doing anything, I start losing my mind. Yeah. I start freaking out. I start panicking. I start overthinking everything. And oh, my God, we're going to go broke. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Rebecca's like, Michael, calm down. What are you talking about? You've, you've been on the road nonstop for six months. Right, so, right. yeah, there you go. It is a balance, and I don't know that I've struck it necessarily. And uh, I'm not going to get into some of the pitfalls that I would get into with extra recreational time. I think it's good for me to be busy as well. I will say though, man, like you don't complain ever, right? And sometimes as I sit and I'm calling fights with you and you're doing so with one eye, right? It's like you may ask for Advil every now and again. And I'm not saying this to kiss your ass, but you never complain. You never complain. I love... I, I love doing this. Yeah. I really do. I, I, I love, you know, I mean, even being on the road, I love going to the arenas and, and, and the venues and seeing the fans and feeling the energy from them. Uh, but but I, I love this. As a... You can tell. As a former fighter, you know, the, the options for fighters when, when they're done with their fight career are few, you know, and some make a tremendous amount of money and they don't have to worry about things like that. And I did very well. I'm not saying that I, that I didn't. I did very well, but I still... I still want to be busy. I still want to be active. I still want to be working. I still want to fill my time and be productive um, and working for the UFC, being a commentator and all the other things that I've managed to uh, to build, if you will. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. So complaining, no. Yeah, I'll ask for Advil because I'm in constant neck pain, yeah. constant back pain, constant headaches. I've got no knees, one eye, half a brain. So sometimes a little bit of Advil will be required. Other than that, I'm good to go, baby. Well, I know you are, and you have my ultimate respect because there are men and women out there like me that make a love it, make a living in mixed martial arts because of all of the fighters. And I talked to one fighter today, Jay Perrin, who recently has been cut from the UFC. He fought Raul Rosas Jr., and he's trying to yep. figure out the next step. He's going to fight again later this year regionally, but it's a difficult thing, and he might have some orating ability, right? But best of luck navigating a mixed martial arts television career. So I give you, obviously, a lot of credit for the way you have seamlessly transition um but you don't get a lot of days off I, are you going to retire in california you probably will never retire but i know your wife has roots in adelaide will you so, retire in california or will you go somewhere that actually doesn't take all your money 
Yeah, yeah, see that. <laughs> that is the question. My wife's over there right now. I'm not sure what she's doing. She's at the other computer, probably ordering things online. There's a lot of boxes show <laughs> up. Um, and I say this, I say, she never wants to leave California. I mean, like, you know, listen, women, no offense, babe, significant <laughs> others. I shouldn't say women, but you're significant others, you know, and I promise a lot, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we'll get a place here. We'll have a place right, there. Right. We'll have a place here. And we'll just dance around <laughs> the world like bloody, you know, like rock stars. I'm like, that's a perfect world scenario, but it's not a perfect world. To answer your question, I want to, listen, here's the thing. And I love living in America and it truly is the land of opportunity. And I've, I've, I've got a great life here. So don't take this the wrong way. But when I moved here, I never saw it as moving here to live here for the rest of my mm. life. I was doing it because I was involved with crooked management and they were stealing all my money together. When I parted ways with them, that meant parting ways with my team and I had a fight coming up and I had a lot of contacts in Orange County, California. So I came out here because I had contacts, I had friends, I had training partners. I basically had a team on deck. Um, and of course we love it. It's great. My wife's Australian. She definitely um, prefers this kind of climate no, and it. feels more at home. Yeah, yeah. But but I never thought I would be saying goodbye to England for the rest of my life. The reality is that is the truth because my kids are essentially American now. Yeah. You know, my, my son, my children aren't ever going to leave here. This is the only life they know. We just recently bought a very small modest home back home so I can see my mom and dad more and so that they can continue to hopefully go back and forth and, you know, keep up a connection, you know, and, and still feel yeah. like, like, like they have family back there and friends and aunties and uncles and cousins and God forbid, you know, Rebecca and I, I killed in a car crash. She, they know who their family is sure, in England. Sure. You know what I mean? I want them to keep up that contact, connect. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know where we're going to settle. Rebecca doesn't want to leave California. I'm like, you're out of your mind. The taxes are through the absolute roof. And there's a big, beautiful, vast country of the United States that mm. we're yet to explore. So I don't know, John. I do I think, though, is. California is beautiful. And every time I'm there, right? I mean, even where I'm from, Boston, Massachusetts, the traffic is like a goddamn pandemic, right? right now, right? So there's a lot of places that have issues, but largely I was in Calabasas recently and my goodness, man, I mean, Southern California is absolutely beautiful. Uh, Michael Bisping with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Maybe we should talk a little bit of fighting. Now we Let's just got back from London, UFC 286, close fight with Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman, I guess in some respects, but largely this was a masterpiece on the feet by Leon Edwards. And I know you spoke with Colby Covington yesterday on the Believe You Me uh, YouTube channel, Michael Bisping's YouTube channel, if you want to check that out. As an American, by the way, even though Colby and I aren't necessarily seeing eye to eye these days, I have to admire, if not acknowledge, his patriotism, right? How often does somebody actually get out there and say, you know, I got to get one back on the UK because Edwards just beat Usman. It's very rare that American fighters sort of, you know, claim the stars and stripes the way he does. So I appreciated that. At the very least. I, 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 I have to disagree with you there, John, you know, Americans are some of the most patriotic people I've ever met in my life. Everywhere you go in my neighborhood, there's the stars and stripes hanging outside the front door uh, and fair play. Good for them. They should be proud. Um, and I hope your kids are okay, John. I <laughs> hope you're okay. I hope you haven't been proud. Yeah. No, we're good. Yes. I mean, come on, Colby. Come on. I asked him about that yesterday. I'm like, come on, because you know, he plays a character. Um, but going back to Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards was very, very good. I thought uh Kamaru, he tried his best. The reality is, who knows? 
His problems with his knees are well documented. He's had a long storied career. And I always say this, he defended the belt five times. You know, you go up, you get to the top of the mountain, the absolute pinnacle, which 0.1% of the fighting population do. To stay there for the length of time that he did was fantastic. But you don't live there. You don't take permanent residency at the pinnacle, at the top of Mount Everest. You can't do it. You know, whether it is Mount Everest for real or a, a hypothetical one, no, mm. what's the word I'm looking for? A figurative one. You're going to get blown off. Yeah. You're going to get knocked off. You can't stay there forever. He did multiple years. It's incredible. But right now is the time of Leon Edwards. So how do you handicap a fight between Leon Edwards and Colby Covington? As you said on your show earlier this week, seems like this is an eventuality. This is going to be the fight. Leon Edwards presumably will be convinced monetarily or otherwise to sign on the dotted line. How do you handicap that fight? Because Leon Edwards, to me, is just a totally different beast than he was even 18 months ago. Without question. And I thought Teddy Adlis said it best. Remember that tweet? When somebody becomes a fighter, they automatically get 30% better. And that's because they then it all sinks into the word that they've been doing. There's no more doubt, mm. you know, because your coaches tell you you're great and you feel like you're great and you have confidence, but maybe you've had ups and downs along the way. But then you become champion. And you, when you knock out the pound for pound the way that he did, yeah, all of a sudden it all clicks and you believe it all. So you do get better because the mind controls everything. It separates the men from the boys. Now, Colby Covington and Kamara Usman for Leon, the, the comparison, for mm -hmm. Leon Edwards, this is probably the best time to fight Colby because all the hard work that he did against Kamara Usman, two back-to-back -back camps thinking about nothing but a wrestler first, and the guy that can use the hands to set up the striking, that's all fresh. It's all there. It's current. It's it's ready to go again. You know, he's just come off the back of, re of beating a wrestler twice in a row. So parlay that into right. fighting Colby Covington. Now, Colby, i got to choose my words carefully because I don't – last thing I want to do is disrespect the champ Kamara Usman because he'll forever be a champion, the career that he had. Um, he, I thought he looked a little slow. Mm. I, th I thought he didn't look his best, whether that was because he was a little gun shy, maybe it was because of the knockout, maybe because of the wear and tear in the body or the knees. I, ju I just didn't feel like it was the same Kamara that showed up for the first fight. Yeah. Okay. Even though it went for, to a decision. I think with Colby, you know, I, I don't think he's going to have those. By the way, this I don't feel like this makes Colby the victor in the fight at all, but I think he's going to push the pace a little bit more. I don't think he will be quite as hesitant. I don't think he'll be uh, a little, a little, not afraid, but a little more, you know, the consequences of engaging in the fight won't be quite as relevant in his mind, right. you know? Right. So I think Colby's going to go at him a lot more. I think he's a little bit faster, but I don't think he hits as hard. But still, I think the stamina, the pace that he can push, it does present a couple of slightly new problems for Leon, but essentially kind of a similar fight. It was an interesting conversation you had with Colby in terms of the nutrition being sort of at the forefront of his key to outlasting everybody, right? He's always told us, Colby has, that he had a third lung from the time he was playing soccer when he was eight years old. But I thought it was interesting that he led the dance with his diet when you guys had that conversation. So you're not coming to Miami, Florida, UFC 287, Alex Pereira. You got the whole week off. Never been. Never been to Miami in my life. I hear nothing but good things. I hear it's a wild place. I hear the people are awesome. I hear the women are beautiful. The yeah. weather's fantastic. And the fights are going to be ridiculous. And I'm not going to be there. That's really Jeez too bad. Louise. It's 45 minutes from my front door. I know we'll get you to South Florida eventually. And I'm not trying to like 
suggest that you and Rebecca should move down here, but there is a lot to I, like. I would move there. I, bet I would you move would. there. But let me tell you, I hear about Florida crazy people. Is there a lot of crazy people in Florida? Do a lot of people embody the spirits of Mike Perry? Because <laughs> if they do, I'm coming. Yes. No, I think you fit right in. I mean, you and I both have a little bit of crazy in us, right? I think a lot of people out there in the public eye, perpetually misunderstood and have some crazy in them. So, all right, so you're not covering Miami for BT Sport for us. You'll enjoy the time. Uh, do you I, know... I will be covering go ahead. for BT Sport, but remotely. Remotely, okay. So you can catch Michael Bisping's coverage for BT Sport in advance of UFC 287 and through. Do you know right now who's the betting favorite for this fourth combat sports meeting between Pereira and Adesanya? Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. I don't. I'm going to say, is it Israel Adesanya? You're right. Yeah. Yep. Slightly makes sense. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I think it makes sense. I mean, he was masterful throughout four rounds. He was the better grappler. He took him down. He almost finished him in the first round. He was clearly the better kickboxer. However, history has shown that every time they compete, one man wins every time. And right. that has been Alex Pereira. Now, you could argue that, well, it's just an, an odds game, a numbers game, because eventually Izzy's going to win one. Because, you know, if they fight 10 times, maybe Pereira wins one. If they fight five, maybe Izzy, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So maybe that that one, maybe that's approaching. Uh, I think for Izzy, he t he can take away a lot of a lot of credit to himself in that fight. He did well. He was the more technical fighter. He did get the takedowns. He was trending to win. But much like Leon Edwards in that fifth round or the end of the fourth round when Dave Lavelle said to him, come on, you got to get yeah. going. The team of Pereira, Pereira said the same thing and he went out there and that will say to him, it will echo the sentiment that if I really go for it, I can finish this guy. But I just took my time and it took me until the fifth round to really dig deep and take a risk. However, you take a risk, you walk on to shots. Zig when you should have zagged all that good stuff. So it, it's, I think Pereira is going to come out way more aggressive. I think Izzy, it wouldn't surprise me if he shoots a double leg takedown in round one because Adesanya, for all of his attributes, he is one of the most uh, coordinated people that you'll ever see. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the breakdancing, you've seen the physical attributes, the things that he can do with his body is ridiculous. I can't dance. <laughs> I can't break dance. Well. And I'm not a wrestler. But I could learn how to do a double leg takedown pretty well. You know, I, I used it to great effect many times throughout my fight career. Brian Stan, I picked him up and slammed him multiple times. If I can do that, if I can learn how to do a double jab right hand, faint that, come on low, level change, grab hold of Brian Stan and pick him up and put him down, yeah. well, I'm damn sure that Israel Adesanya can. And he already showed that he was the better grappler in the first matchup in the UFC. So it's a very interesting fight. And I think you set it up beautifully as usual. Real real quickly wanted to touch on Marlon Cheeto Vera, your teammate slash former teammate. 
Yep. Friend of our show, greatest dude in the world, obviously, beloved by the MMA masses. And certainly there was a lot of love for Corey Sanhagen and rightfully so. But I want to ask you about the Cheeto side of this because mm. it seemed pretty listless for me at least through 10 minutes. Yep. And it made me think of Cheeto when you referenced Pareda going for it in that fifth and final round. You know, seemed like to me Cheeto was risk averse. And I think Sanhagen deserves a lot of credit for that. But certainly a missed opportunity, I thought, for Marlon Vera over the weekend. Without question, you know, and he is a friend, you know, however, I can't separate myself from what's going on, you know, friends from fighters, you know, and I can call it the way I see it. Now, I was getting a lot of abuse for being biased. In my opinion, listen, we all saw Corey Sandhagen was operating phenomenally. I mean, that was a masterclass in mixed martial arts, you know, and I love watching Corey Sandhagen fight because you see all elements of mixed martial arts. We saw beautiful footwork, the combinations, the head kicks, flying knees, uppercuts, beautiful boxing, back to the wrestling. That's what separates mixed martial arts from a sport like boxing. And I'm a huge fan of boxing, but when you watch someone like Corey Sandhagen, the way he operated on Saturday night, that was beautiful. The real storyline for me was that because Marlon Vera wasn't fighting, you know, and, and that's why I was maybe talking about that more because sure. I'm like, what is Marlon doing? What on earth is he doing? Because he's a very accomplished, uh, respected, powerful and dangerous fighter. He wasn't showing up. He beat himself. Yes, Corey Sandhagen was overloading with information, the switching of stances, the different attacks, the shooting, the takedowns, all the rest of it. That was making him hesitant. But I also believe the moment, the, the opponent, the crowd, yeah. the consequence all plays a factor. Yes. Like when I fought George St. Pierre, biggest fight of my life. First, I mean, yeah, I had issues going in. I hurt my ribs and stuff like that. But also when I watch it back, I'm disgusted with myself. First couple of rounds, I hardly showed up. And I felt like I was stuck in the mud to quote Conor McGregor, you know, and, and I've been there and many people have been there. And every time I go in gyms all over the world, you see world-class talent and you think, wow, that guy's going to be champion of the world one day. And then they show up on fight night and they're getting beaten by some scrub on the regional scene. Right. And you know why that is? It's because of this thing and Marlon Vera yes was defeated by the 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 better man Saturday night but he was also beaten by himself because he was afraid to pull the trigger because of the consequences yeah. and does that make me biased to highlight that no it does not no. and all those people that said that you can kiss my British ass no I think it's fair <laughs> you were highlighting the inactivity and I think at times just sort of wondering aloud why there wasn't more urgency that is as inurgent as I have seen Cheeto Grappling, striking, just very surprising. In terms of the criticism, and you and I get plenty of it, right? And we are in a space in which we are going to, it's not going to stop, right? For you, it's a little bit different. Yep, You're the UFC yep. Hall of Famer, the former fighter. And obviously in this MMA <laughs> space, it's pretty crazy. We share buses at times with judges and referees. You're at the airport with Colby Covington. He doesn't know you could have gone on pay-per-view and said unequivocally that he doesn't deserve a title fight. And then he's jumping on your back and you guys are wrestling at the airport only for him to later find out that you weren't acknowledging his candidacy. I bring it up because when Colby Covington takes issue with me spearheading Bilal Muhammad's candidacy, right? Yes, yep. he starts there. Which is a fair point, by the way, John. Absolutely. That's a fair point. Right. And Can't argue with that. No. And you know what? Maybe for me, I editorialized analyze too much as a play-by-play -play guy, right? So maybe Colby Covington has a case, right? I have to separate his, that part of it with anything that he's saying about my family, which candidly is not, is really just a veiled empty threat. But at first, Michael, I got to deal with the criticism, right? Like you've had to deal yeah. with Justin Gaethje recently. And obviously I came to your defense and then with Cheeto Vera this past weekend, I guess I'm just curious. And I think the public will find this interesting. 
for me, I've said repeatedly, my skin gets perpetually thicker, but how do you, as one of the most high profile legend in this sport, navigate that seeming week to week reality? You know what, to be honest, as you say, the skin gets thicker and you cannot rise to it. And I remember when I commentated with Joe Rogan, he's like, we just don't read the comments, you know, but as it's human nature, you're sitting on a plane, you're bored, it's 5 a.m. in the morning, you're you're at uh, San Antonio Airport, you've right. had no sleep. And for some reason, I still can't sleep and I'm led down. I just want to fall asleep. And I'm like, I know, I'll look at Twitter. Maybe that'll make me fall asleep. And all I see is an onslaught of abuse. Uh, and it goes back to probably the week before when I was in London and Justin Gage, he said the same thing. Um, I understand Justin's point. I really do because he's a friend and a teammate and a training partner and a brother to, to Kamara Usman. And when you have a relationship like that with somebody, when Kamara is doing work, when he's landing a shot, when he's potentially getting a takedown, that is emphasized in the mind of Justin Gagey. When Leon Edwards is doing something in the mind of uh, Justin Gagey, he kind of dismisses that a little bit. So I understand why he would think I was being biased. I did shoot him a personal message and say, come on, Justin, what the hell? He sent me back, lol. I responded with lol, indeed. Lol, indeed. Um, congrats on a great win. You know, so I'm, I'm not, not going to get upset about it. Um, it is what it is. Some people, I get a tremendous amount of uh, nice of words course. said as well. So you take the rough with the smooth, you know, and as long as, you know, Dana White, Zach Candito, Craig Basari, the people in charge realize and, and, and acknowledge that, you know, I'm doing a good job, then ultimately that's all that matters yeah. because you cannot please everybody in this life and i've i've given up trying to do so yeah. and there was a period in my life where i was trying to do that i was trying to be be beloved of everybody it's not going to happen it is not going to happen so the people that appreciate you then that is amazing and i thank you so much and those people that don't well in the words huh. of conor mcgregor i'm going to take this opportunity to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody i fucking love <laughs> it and candidly my twin brother hates when i say that word but i probably don't need to enter the fray but in that particular instance having been there so many times prior and for me just seeing how hard you work right and again if you want to say i'm kissing bispink's fucking ass have it that too okay but this dude literally deep dives on 30 athletes works his ass off everybody wants a piece of him all week in london i see the blood sweat and tears or at least the fucking sweat and tears i see the neck i see the back and then you got to deal with that after the fact and i just felt like coming to your defense so nah. uh, you know it, 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 it is what it is, you know, but as you know this, John, you know this very well. That, and and I, I look at you for inspiration. I do, John, as a commentator. Um, the first guy on the prelims, you know, may, maybe making his UFC debut, you've got to give him the same respect that you're giving to the main event. Of course, the main event is the fight that the entire show is built around. You know, so you do, you got to have an extra pop on them. You got to have some extra stats and facts and little tidbits and personal nuggets. But that person making their UFC debut, walking out there for the first time, you've got to watch their fights. You can't just give them the bare minimum. You've got to know who they are and try and put their story across to the people. Because I remember making my UFC debut and I remember hearing Mike Goldberg and Joe Rogan talking about me and thinking, wow. Huh. They know things about me. Right. They know who I am. And it meant so much. And I'll never forget that. So, yeah, I, I do take that side very seriously. All right. We got a few rapid fire questions on the way out. Some of these are from our listeners. One listener wants to know, and maybe you can't answer this as a commentator, but if you had to send one man in the octagon to beat John Jones, are you sending Stipe Miacic or Tom Aspinall? <sighs> 
See, they're the two that immediately spring to mind. Good question. Immediately. It's a great question. Uh, I love Stipe Miocic. Is he getting a little old? Is the inactivity going to cost him? I don't know. I'm going to send Tom Aspinall. I'm going to send Tom Aspinall, big Tom, as long as that leg's right. He's young. He moves like a middleweight. He's sensational. And I think he is the future of the heavyweight division. We don't know how long... We don't know if Tom will ever get his hands on him. I don't think John's going to stay right, around. Right. You know, if he beats Stipe Miocic, I think he might do one or two, defend it three times and say, you know what? I did it. Yeah. I made my mark on this sport. I'm the greatest of all time. I've made tremendous amounts of money. I'm still a young man and I'm going to go off and do something else. I will not be like Michael Bisping flying huh, to somewhere huh. every weekend, losing his voice and having his wife hate him. Yeah. I'm going to sit back in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where thou, those millions will go off a lot further <laughs> like, than yeah. mine will in California. <laughs> well, the wife who may loathe you at times is going to like the way we close because we're talking about her boys. Lucas, is Lucas 12 years old right now? How old's Lucas? Lucas is 12, almost 13. Isn't that crazy? Does he have a favorite American sports team or not necessarily? Sound the trumpets, ladies and gentlemen. It is horse racing time, so saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app, not now, but right now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on a first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. No, he doesn't. I, you know, I've tried. Listen, I, I I don't necessarily watch sports. I do enjoy football. I enjoy basketball, but I don't have a team that I follow. Yeah. Lucas, he won't even watch UFC. I do try. I try. Like I'll say, I remember when Izzy fought Alice Pajera last, last year. I was like, Lucas, Lucas, come here. Come, son, come down. He was in his bedroom. I'm like, son, sit and watch this fight. Because I think when you get older, you are going to enjoy this. I said, and this is, you know, this is a big fight. You'll enjoy this. We said, okay. He sits down. And then I'm watching. And maybe he's on the bad side of my eye. <laughs> I, bet I look around and he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. I'm like, whatever. You can't force him. So to answer your question, the answer is no. He does jujitsu. He loves wrestling. Not not professional wrestling, though. We can't stand any of that silliness. Yeah. Uh, but t- no is the answer. Well, no, it's and that, a good answer. Me, a roundabout way of saying I'm not a crappy dad who's, who's forcing sports down his throat. Uh, I've tried. He's not interested. And that's just the way it is. My 11-year-old daughter is coming to UFC 287 because we're close to home. She has never watched a mixed martial arts fight in her life, whereas her nine-year-old sister loves this stuff, but yeah. the 10 p.m. pay-per-view call time for my middle kid is, is too late, so she's not going to come. All right, That's and last late. question. Amateur and professional combined over under two and a half mixed martial arts contests for Callum Bisping before all is said and done. Amateur and pro combined, Amateur. we're setting the total at two and a half total fights. So I was sort of thinking maybe two amateur fights, one pro fight, and then Callum Bisping will go use his brain in other ways. I- 
Rebecca sat right there. I've got the headphones in, so she can't hear. Rebecca, the final question is over, under, Callum Bisping, higher or lower, two and a half fights in mixed martial arts. Amateur and pro. Amateur or professional, doesn't matter. Will he have more than two and a half or will he have less than two and a half? This is gambling speak from the great John Anik. Less. Okay. She says less. I say more. I say more. All right. I I think because, you know, he is such an avid fan of this sport. I mean, he is like an encyclopedia and he loves it. And I remember because he, he, he's obsessed with wrestling and he does enjoy jujitsu and he loves to hit the pads and stuff like that. And, he you know, he's got all the, the makings of a fighter. And he actually says, you know, he was just home recently. When I got back on Sunday, he was here for a few hours still. He was home for a week for spring break. And he said, Dad, I've never had a fight. I've never, and I'm like, son, that is something to celebrate. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but, but I want to have one. I want to <laughs> have one. And I'm like, because he's got that, you know, he's got that animalistic urge. You know, he's got a lot of testosterone running through his body. And he cornered one of his wrestling buddies in a mixed martial arts fight. And he cornered him and he said his friend destroyed the guy. And they were a similar weight. And he said, I can, I can huh. wipe the floor with him, dad. You know, so I think, I think we might see it. And look at who his father is. But this is the thing. I know. I know. This is the thing. I I've know. Told, no, I've told him. I've told him. If you do fight, I'm going to train you. I'm going to manage you. And you're going to be Callum the Count Bisping. And he refuses. He says, no way, Dad. No, I'm, and Rebecca chimes in. Oh, yeah, no, he's got to have his own identity. I'm like, listen, that is family lineage, okay? Callum the Count Bisping, oh, you never step in foot yeah. in there. And he's like, Dad, that is never going to happen. So we'll see. We'll see. Anytime we go to the gym. Sorry, John, I know you're trying no, to get rid good. of me, and I apologize. Anytime we go to the gym, if we end up arguing, <laughs> <laughs> we always end up arguing in the gym. So I can only imagine in a mixed martial arts environment with a fight coming up, what we would be like, because he's, he's a man now. You know how it is when you get to that point, yeah. your dad's still treating you like a son. He's 22 years old, you know, and he's like, dad, shut up, leave me alone. And I'm like, son, your form, your form's wrong. <laughs> you know, you got a full extension. And he's like, I am. I'm like, no, you're not. He's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, son, I'm watching you. I'm like, right, lower the weight because the, the, the form is, he's like, I don't need to lower the weight. And I'm like, oh, Dude, so this is the kind of little bickering things that we have. Is Lucas more coachable or not necessarily? By dad, I should say, because my daughters are coachable when it's somebody else, but they don't want to be coached yeah. by me at all. It's the same thing. Like Callum's very coachable. He really is. And so is Lucas. And they both love wrestling and jujitsu. But when it's dad. Yeah, I get when it. When it's dad, they it. just don't want to hear it. Well, dude, we had Callum Bisping on the Anakin Florian podcast when he was like 15 years old in the back of a limo with you. And I remember. Did you really? Yeah, and I remember fondly. I know it's one of the few things I actually remember with all the resin on my brainstem. But I also remember Callum in the octagon, <laughs> I think after your win over Dennis Kang or whatever it was. So yep. as much love as there is out there for Frank Mir's daughter, Bella Mir, I, dude, like Callum has a loyal following. I'm like the vice president of the Callum Bisping fan club. And when that dude has his amateur i'm gonna be all fucking in let's go you are the man joke hey. because you've always said the kindest nicest things about him and and it means the world to callum he's very very humble so he would yeah. never talk about things like that yeah. but he does right. he loves it he's, he's a chip off the old block well you know there's uh no fighter in the world past or present that i have more respect for than you my beloved broadcast partner michael bisping i appreciate your time sorry ken flo's not here having some uh illness issues i know that was sort of part of the agreement to get you with that you were able to catch oh, up with geez, your longtime Louise. friend kenny florian but alas here we are i do love and respect kenny 
Kenny Florian. What a guy. You guys have a fantastic show. Keep it up. John, always a pleasure. Anytime for you. Or the what, what, what do you call you guys? The the Anik Florian people. What do you what, what do you call your people, your followers? The Minutemen. We're the believers. How about the Minutemen for Ray Longo? The Minutemen, is that good enough? Yeah. The Minutemen. There you go. Right, there you go. Sounds like a a, a line from 50 Cent. Many Hi. men wish death upon me. See, you're not going to dance, but you'll Andy sing do. for our audience. I will sing all day and I will hang up because no one wants to hear that. Hey, John, I, you're the man. Love you, brother. Love you too. Thank you, brother. There he is. The UFC Hall of Famer, Michael Bisping, with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Absolutely love that dude. And part of what we were trying to do today was a little reunion between Ken Flo and Bisping because, of course, they worked together for years at Fox but Ken flows a little bit under the weather. I do have one thing I want to close with, and thanks to everybody for all of the comments on the Anakin Florian podcast on the DraftKings YouTube channel, where you obviously access this episode, at least on the video side today. But this is for Ray Longo, who, as many of you know, is dealing with a hip, a hip issue. And this came in the comments on YouTube, episode 399 of the Anakin Florian podcast earlier this week from Joshua C. And he writes, I don't know if Ray reads these comments, but I've had both Hips replaced, literally the best decision I've ever made in my life. There is a prosthesis called dual mobility. I grappled for 20 years, did heavy squats, jogged on cement, got to the point that I dreaded walking anywhere, needed a cane when I did. I deadlift. I still do jujitsu. I kicked the heavy bag, literally pain-free for almost five years now. Only thing I regret was not getting it done immediately. I did stem cells and every stretch or junk science thing I ran across and nothing worked except the replacement. If Ray still has cartilage, he can just get it scooped out. The Undertaker talked about his procedure recently on Joe Rogan's podcast. I needed the full hip replacement, but he might just need it scooped out. Can't remember the technical term. So I'm bringing that to the audience in case anybody else out there is having hip issues. But more importantly, because I know Ray Longo is now listening to the Anakin Florin podcast back. So Cody Merrow, our producer, thank you for uh, bringing that to Ray's attention. And thank you, of course, to Joshua C. And we do try to read the comments. Cody will sift through all of those and I'll try to get to as many as possible. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show. Hope you enjoy the one-on-one with Michael Bisping. We are back next Monday. We will take a look at UFC 287 as that beckons April 8th. So next week is a pay-per-view week. We'll also have picks from Brian Petrie and uh, probably an interview with Gerald Murchard, who fights at UFC 287 as well. Thank you to Michael Bisping for our producer, Cody Merrill, John Anik, signing off for now. We will see you early next week. Yo later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.